Hello, my name is Rose Cortine and you're listening to the Talking Teenage Life podcast. This is a podcast that explores people's experiences in their teenage years and what they've learnt since. So, this is an introductory podcast to tell you a little bit of what Talking Teenage Life is all about. It is a little window into the type of things that you can expect to hear if you subscribe to this podcast. You see, in October 2018, I became a teenager. I realised there is nothing hugely momentous in that. It's a rite of passage. It's just one more step in our journey of life. But it got me thinking about what my teenage years would involve. What might the next seven years hold in store for me? So I thought this podcast would be a good way of investigating what teenage life is all about. You see, I'm keen to explore a career in radio and so I thought I would combine my ambition to learn about broadcasting with my desire to make the most of my teenage years. I've sought out people who have been through their teenage years to see what I can learn from them and what impact their teenage years had on them. We get just seven years of being a teenager, which may seem like a tiny proportion of our life, but so many things happen. When you are a teenager, you experience so many firsts. There are exams that could impact on your career. You officially become an adult, have your first relationships, leave home potentially, live independently and start a job. It's easy to think that the next seven years could define my whole life. I want to talk to people who are older than me and find out how important those seven teenage years were to them and how, looking back, defining they were to their life. Many teenagers these days can suffer from depression or stress in their teenage years because of the pressures they perceive they are under and the importance of exams, qualifications, etc. I want my podcast to bring a real balance to the importance of our te- the importance of our teenage years. I'm sure they are important, but will they really define me forever? So this is a series about interviews and meeting people and learning. Let me introduce you to just a few of them to give you a flavour of what you might expect from the podcast. I met with Helen Piddick-Jones, who had a varied career from being a barrister to a career in television that that included a spell with children's TV. Here's Helen talking about how she ended up in TV work. I think I was realistic in that I was good at a lot of sports, but I wasn't very good at one of them. And yeah. I think I didn't have the dedication to concentrate just on the one. I far rather play lots of different sports. Um, and so, no, I didn't, didn't really, I thought, no, I won't make it that high in one sport. Although I was aiming to be a PE teacher. So yeah. I could practice that. Well, so you mentioned you wanted to be a PE teacher. Was that the only aspiration you had or did you like want to 
do anything else when you were older? Um, well, my father was a solicitor. Yeah. And so I heard about the law and knew about the law. And uh, I, I think I also was attracted to that. So it was between the two, I have to say, which was a difficult decision. Yeah. And so, in fact, I did apply to college for both PE yeah. and also to university for law. Um, but I, I got into university, so that's the way I went, which was yeah. the law. Once you'd applied and got in for the university, did you then think, oh, actually, I want to do sport, or did it just change your mind? It wasn't so much that I wanted to do sport, but I did change my mind yeah. about law. I, I realised that it was probably a little bit too restrictive. Yeah. I initially was going to be a solicitor, yeah. Um, and then I realised that I wanted to be a barrister. And I don't know if you know the difference, but barristers are the ones who stand up in court and yeah. and do all the speaking. And I that was the thing I fancied because I, yeah. was, I did a lot of debating and acting. And I thought, no, that was the thing that would suit me yeah. best. So I moved to become a barrister. But even then I thought, no, this is uh, not quite what I wanted. But I don't think I thought about going to sport I just decided law wasn't the thing and, and looked around to find something different. So what did you do after you decided you wanted to do something different then? Well, using my sort of acting, debating, I certainly didn't want to be a professional actor, but I was yeah. interested in drama. But I, I did think about uh, media and so I yeah. thought about the BBC. Yeah. Uh, and I actually applied to to for the BBC and I did say what my interests were, but... There wasn't really anything on offer because the trouble is you don't know what jobs yeah. there are. Um, and anyway, I eventually, it's quite a long story, but to cut it short, I was a bit um, cheeky, I suppose. And I talked my way in, um, I sort of bluffed my way in a bit uh, to see and found myself in front of one of the, the bosses at yeah. Midland Television in BBC. Uh, and I think he was a bit surprised that I'd actually found my way yeah. there. And so he offered me a job. I find the whole aspect about how your career can take such a varied path fascinating. I mean, Helen started out as a barrister and then she ended up throwing custard pies on children's TV. When the programme started, it only went out in the Midland region. Yeah. And because I was known reading the news during the week, yeah. I appeared every now and then as myself yeah. um, doing sketches and things. Yeah. We had Lenny Henry on and Jim Davidson and a whole load of others um, that we used to do sketches with. But then we invented this character called the Phantom Flanflinger. Yeah. And it was sort of, I don't know why, but it felt to me that I was doing that part. Yeah. And it became a big joke because... We had this joke, who is the Phantom Flanflinger? Because yeah. it would have been a very funny joke if it was discovered that this serious newsreader during the week yeah. was throwing custard pies and buckets of water on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Then it became nationwide. So the joke wouldn't have been so funny, but yeah. we, we just kept it in. Yeah. So I did that as well, yes. <laughs> For some of my guests, though, their career has just has been just what they always planned. I met with Stuart Dunn, a sports journalist and a commentator for Radio Shropshire on all Shrewsbury Town's home games. Here he talks about how his mum was not sure, was not so sure about his career choice. 
till six o'clock, half past six at night. I'd always have my my nose in a football program or a football magazine as well. And so much so that my mom used to say, I wish you'd spend more time looking at your school books (laughs) as you do looking at football programs and magazines. That's not going to get you a job. Uh, But as we know, as as time went on, thankfully, it did become um, the prelude to me making a career in in being a football writer and um, a football broadcaster. Stuart's a great commentator and probably could have forged a career on national radio, but he gave me a great insight on why it is important to know what you want and why it is so important to put job satisfaction first. I asked him if he'd ever wish he'd gone to work at Five Live. Not overly, because I've I've always been very happy yep. and settled, living in Shrewsbury, my hometown. Yep. Um, I now have two... Um, young boys as well aged yeah. uh, 12 and 12 and 8 yeah. and it's a lovely part of the world to grow up to bring a family up in and i've always been very happy covering shrewsbury town for for bbc radio shropshire lots of people who have been at the station have gone on and 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 have and have worked at, at five live and yeah and on, on a national level which is fantastic but for me the dream was always to to follow uh shrewsbury yeah. town as I've, as I've said earlier i enjoy it now as much as ever yeah and it never feels like a job um when i get in the car and i'm driving to portsmouth or to plymouth or to sunderland i never think not once i could do without this today because i really do enjoy it and the fact that i've got the interest of the the hometown pride as well of it being my hometown club and i know so many people involved with the club so many of the supporters who you bump into at home games and in away games, you build up that rapport with supporters, with players, with, with yeah. management, with coaches, with kit men, with fellow yeah. journalists who, who follow the club up and down the country. Uh, I have covered games um, occasionally um, yeah. for Five Live in, in the past when yeah. they've needed um, uh, games covered at, at Shrewsbury Town. And um, uh, so I have had that involvement that way. And yeah. I've, I've met many of the Five Live reporters and have helped them with their home homework when yeah. they've been covering a game sometimes involving Shrewsbury Town or um, the, the TV commentator. It's common practice that a TV commentator might yeah. ring the, the local radio reporter or a local journalist to get some background. And they're all uh, very approachable and, and all very down to earth. These people yeah. who who work at this level and they travel yeah. the world commentating on football. And yes, it, it must be fantastic. But for me personally, I've always enjoyed um, uh, the sense of community, being yeah. part of uh, of life in Shrewsbury and Shropshire and, and following my hometown club. Yeah. Stuart sets a great example on how if you want something badly enough, you need to work for it. At the age of 15, he contacted Shrewsbury Town to see if he could write for them in the match day program to try and give myself a head start yeah i wrote to the editor of the shrewsbury town football club program and i would have been about 15 yeah at the time uh, to see if i could do anything for them and uh, had a nice letter back seems strange to be talking about letters these days and posting yep. letters <laughs> these days when people just send emails yeah uh, but i had a nice letter back and i was invited to maybe um do um a captain's column on yep. behalf of the captain at the time of, of Shrewsbury Town. So I would ring the captain or meet them at the ground and we'd have a chat and then I would basically th- th- write their thoughts into a column. And, and one of the first um, captains I dealt with on a regular basis was a chap called David Moyes, who yep. went on 
to become a successful manager after hanging up his boots and playing for the likes of Shrewsbury. He went on to manage Everton yep. and he became Manchester United manager as well. And more recently, he was uh, West Ham uh, manager as well. So yep. that was another way for, for me to get some some experience and, and try and get a foot in the door. I like the analogy that Helen gave on matching your skills to your job. Um, because I realised afterwards that when I was growing up, I loved doing jigsaw puzzles. So it's putting pieces together. Yeah. And I used to take cine films and I used to love the editing. So I was yeah. putting things together, which is exactly what doing a radio programme. And later I did television. It's yeah. putting together. It's seeing the whole story. Yeah. Um, and so as much practice as you can yeah. of the skills that you can you can use is is great. How you actually get in there in the end, I'm afraid that's up to you yeah. and applying. Yeah. But the more you can get down uh, on paper, because even though I didn't use my law degree, yeah. it does look good on paper. Yeah. And if you can volunteer for anything or do anything that's got your net, that you've done this, you've done, and yeah. the most varied that you can yeah. shows your rounded personality and, and having, you're willing to have a go yeah. at everything. On this podcast, I want to ask some of the really difficult questions. Zoe Bolton is one of my guests and she has gone off to Africa for a year. Zoe's parents split up when she was seven and I asked her what advice she'd give to others in the same situation. Yeah, I think my advice would be um, to to parents of divorced kids to just remember that to put your kids first. Yeah. Um, but also if your parents are divorced or are, are divorcing, to remember yeah. that they, they love you. Um, and if you have questions, ask them. I think sometimes we can build things up in our mind and we can get too scared to ask things because we don't want to know the answer. But for me, having that knowledge of like reasons and of what was going to happen next always just made it easier to, to understand. Yeah. Um- did it change like any relationships like with your dad? Did it change it more than with your mum or your brother? Um, I think it's hard to say because I was so young. Yeah. So I'm really, really close to my mum and I yeah. I would put that down to her being a single mum. Yeah. Um and like doing things as a family together. Yeah, definitely. And I think even though we were young, Jack and I understood that mum now didn't have dad there and so we helped yeah. out more. Um, and now mum is like my best friend and I, I do think that's because we've we've grown up and it's obviously my mum's a grown up yeah <laughs> but I've grown up and it's always been mum's just been a constant yeah um, she's always been there like when yeah, you were sad definitely. and stuff um, and I think maybe her being divorced made her stronger and yeah so it's made me stronger um, yeah so she's like pulled you through it and yeah, then you like come out the other side and it's yeah. made you all stronger yeah definitely and I think it's made me, it's made me be able to connect with people whose yeah. parents are divorced in a way that I wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. And I work with teenagers, and so that's really helpful a lot of the time to understand that. Do you have any like anything else to say to people who would be listening to this or not? Um, just that it's okay, that you will yeah. be okay, and that there will be rough days, and those rough days might surprise you, and they might come out of nowhere, and they might be triggered by things that you wouldn't expect. But it's okay to feel sad about it still. It's okay yeah. to have ups and downs um, and to express those. Don't feel like you have to hold those in to protect your parents, you know. Go through this with them and yeah. you'll be all right in the end. And talk to them. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. So we finished uni a year or so ago, but I wanted to know what it was like on her first day there. 
Um, so I was really excited before I went. Yeah. And when my mum dropped me off, we unloaded the car and I was like, right, you can go. <laughs> I want to yeah, settle I, in. Yeah. I want to meet people. <laughs> you can leave now. Um, and I didn't have that initial panic of, oh, I'm alone. I was just so excited. Yeah, and I just had, get to it and let's yeah, just Yeah, I just get wanted this. to get on yeah. with it. And I'd, I'd spoken to the girls I was going to be living with on Facebook and I'd never met them. Yeah. And so those first few weeks were us all just getting to know each other and just bonding yeah. as housemates. Um, and it wasn't until a few months later that I started to feel a bit homesick and was yeah. a bit like, oh, this is real now. This isn't just like an extended holiday. This, yeah, is, this, is, like this is actual reality. I'm, yeah. I'm living away from home. Um, yeah. But like I say, sort of being near enough that I could go home really yeah, helped made, during yeah. those times. Yeah. Having a faith can play a big part in many people's lives. I've also asked Zoe about how she ca- how she has come back to her Christian faith and how easy it is to be a Christian when you're a teenager or in your early 20s. Um, I think a really big part of it is who surrounds us. I think if you have lots of Christian friends and yeah. you have a really good support network, it's easier. But yeah. But being a teenager is hard for so many reasons. Yeah. Um, and feeling like you stand out um, yeah. can be a really difficult thing. And that's that's why I think it's quite difficult sometimes to be a Christian as a teenager. Yeah. Because you feel like you stand out and... Uh, everyone judges you yeah, almost. Yeah, definitely. Um, but for people that feel like that, what I would encourage you to do is just really understand why you believe what you believe. Yeah. Um, don't just take things as what they are, like question things and look into things so that you really know why you believe what you believe yeah. and then it will be easier to to tell other people why you believe yeah. it in these podcasts you will also get to hear from people who have had some really high profile roles kathy sabin was the first ever female president of the lawn tennis association very busy and it's it was very much what you made of the role yeah. and the gentleman who was president two presidents before me yeah when when they were building the national tennis center he was there it was like a full-time job for him yeah the next one not quite such full-time but mine i just took it on and it was full-time so i lived in london for most of the time yeah um and loved every minute of it so what kind of did you have to go to different places or what did you have to do there was a variety of things i was officially the ambassador for british tennis So I travelled, I went to every single county in the country, at least once, and some of them three or four times, depending on what was going on. For example, I went to Yorkshire three times because they had terrible floods, so I went during the floods and then went back after the floods. Um, And I visited all the pre-Wimbledon tournaments. I went to clubs, schools, colleges, um, opportunities for people with disabilities. And then, of course, we also travelled the world to events all yeah. over the place. I think it was 22 countries. Wow. <laughs> it was a bit of a wow. And even now I think, gosh, did we really go there? And it was very surreal. Um, yeah. And the people you meet, you meet people yeah. that you never ever think you're going to be having a cup of tea with or, no. you know, rubbing shoulders with. So it was, yeah. it was fascinating. I'd highly recommend listening to our podcast interview as it is full of so many fascinating insights. But here's what Cathy said when I asked her if she saw Andy Murray win got a gold medal at the Rio Olympics. I did. And that was a very, very special moment. Yeah. And what was interesting was that a lot of the people who came to watch the tennis yeah. 
were from other sports because oh. you get people representing other sports obviously going round the different yeah. venues and they couldn't believe how gladiatorial you know one on one tennis was compared with everything else and Andy's match was something like 3 hours just over 3 hours long yeah and he gets a gold medal Usain yeah. Bolt was 9 seconds and gets yeah. a gold medal. So the comparison. So everybody was in awe of the way these two men played. Yes. Um, it was a, an amazing match. It was very hot. But they'd also got the political issues in the stadium too. Oh. Because um, with Argentina playing, yeah. and you've got the Brazilians who will cheer for anybody yeah. except for the Argentinians. Oh. So there are a few causing troubles there. So the whole experience was fascinating. So I hope this little insight into my podcast will encourage you to subscribe and listen to the series. My podcasts are out every fortnight on a Sunday and you can see what we are up to by visiting our website at www.talkingteenagelife.com. You will see that every interview finishes with one final question, which is this. What's the one thing that you would tell your teenage self? I love the responses I get and I'll leave you with two of my favourites so far. Here's Stuart Dunn. Do you know, that's a fantastic question, but it's also such a tough question to answer. (laughs) You'll get some really uh, interesting answers. I'm stalling here. You might sense if I come up with uh, an an answer. It's so difficult, isn't it? I would always say chase your dream. Yeah. Um, However remote. Yeah. That dream might be, and people might say, that's never going yeah, to happen. No, yeah. Never let anybody put you off. If yeah. you want to, to do something, and there might be a fairly slim chance of achieving yeah. it, but if you want it hard that enough bad, and, yeah. and bad enough, then and you'll, you'll do anything there. to yeah. get it, you, you, you'll give yourself the best possible chance. Yeah. So don't let anybody knock your confidence and say, that's not going to happen because yeah. that isn't necessarily so. If you, if, yeah. if you, if you endeavor and and strive to to do something and if you want to do something in particular try and get yourself as much practical experience yeah uh, along the way too as I did all those years ago when I was writing for for football programs yeah and and, and things like that um and, and just to always give give of your best yeah and always strive to to be the best you can be at whatever your specific interest might be and and as we say, if, if you want something bad enough yep. and you work hard enough, then who's to say that one day you're not going to achieve it? And I'll leave the final word to Zoe, but I hope you will join me again on Talking Teenage Life. Um, I would te- tell my teenage self to just be myself, to just yeah. be happy with who I am. I think I spent a lot of my teenage years trying to fit in and trying yeah. to, um, yeah, trying to be someone that I wasn't. But I think I needed to just give myself some time and some space to work out who yeah. I actually was and just to learn to like myself. We hope you enjoyed listening to Talking Teenage Life podcast and that this discussion has inspired you. Please remember to subscribe via your usual podcast provider. We'd love you to leave a review online and don't forget to visit www.talkingteenagelife.com to find out what we're up to.